0: Now, back into the show.
1: One of the reasons that I really, really love real estate is because number one, it helped to open my eyes to not just depending on the stock market, because that you have absolutely no control over. And it helped me to get into the world of passive investing as well, because I didn't realize that I could leverage other people's talents. And then once I started realizing how I could also start to save some of the, the 45 plus percent that I was paying to Uncle Sam, when I could actually keep some of that and then redeploy that back into other real estate investments and other passive investments, it was really that point that I started realizing it's, okay, I know the destination that I want to get to, and it's a matter of how do I effectively utilize the different, the different vehicles that are there to be able to get to the destination in a way that feels comfortable for me. And so now the way that well, I continue to do, I continue to invest in, in real assets and our company today is focused a lot more on helping those high wage earners that have specific issues with earned income. So W-2 income in terms of the, the tax obligation that most of us have. So always in the real asset world uh, and always continuing to educate and learn which is the right vehicle to get to the destination.
0: Welcome to Investing in the U.S., a podcast for real estate investors, business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Billy Keels. Now, Billy is the founder of First Generational Capital Partners. He formed this company off the back of his success investing in real estate and being able to produce consistent passive income that has allowed him to achieve financial freedom. But it took Billy over eight years to hit his target, and now he's in a position to help others to achieve the same success he has with his proven system of investing in real estate. Now, to top it all off, Billy is the opposite of me. He is an expat living in Spain, but he's an American um, by nature and you'll get to hear him in a little bit, but he's got an incredible story. He's been in Europe since 2001. So over 20 years living abroad as an expat. I really resonate with that. And he's also in real estate investing back here in the United States. So I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show today to share his incredible insight with me, but enough out of me. Let's get him out of here. Hey Billy, welcome to the show. How you doing
1: sir, mate? <laughs> Reed, you absolutely rock, man. I just I love being able to hang out with you, uh, listen to the things that you're talking about, and I was like, is that really me? And you said over 20 years in Europe, and yes, it has been over 20 years in Europe, and I'm super excited to to have another conversation with you. A lot of people are going to be listening to us this time, so um, yeah try yes, and keep Paul. it uh, try and keep it clean.
0: We, we we've been i've known we've been connected for a little while now i want to say probably at least 4 to 5 years we've at least known about each other through i think when when i first got started in the space you know attracting international investors yep. to the us you're obviously abroad you're trying to attract you know friends and family that you were doing in your corporate yep. you know, formal corporate world but with that being said, I want to get into that. I want to use today as you know. Clearly, we've got similar paths, you know, just in different countries. Um, but before we do, I, I want you to rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid.
1: Well, the very first dollar—that's a—that's a great question. The very first dollar I made was watch. I guess because well, I watched my parents. My, neither one of my parents um, had a college education, or they never finished, and so um, they always said work, work, work. And I remember at twelve. I think it was 12, 11 or 12. I, um, I had a paper route uh, where we were living in Texas and I used to get the local newspaper and they would show up at the house and we have to put them all in all these plastic bags. But yeah, that was the first, that was the first dollar I made. Awesome. You know, work, awesome. Working, working, like as a job. So that was uh, pretty interesting. <laughs> how, how, how was the, your upbringing
0: uh, in America, American kid doing the, the paper route? What, what, was, what was your relationship with money
1: and, and, and really entrepreneurship? Yeah, man. So a couple things. So um, having parents that didn't have a college education, which they thought that that was super important and they both worked two jobs. I watched them make some very, very difficult decisions. Read, like at the end of the month, if they were going to pay this bill or that bill, I always said, you know, we always had food in our home. So it was never a, a challenge, but I just watched the challenges and the arguments that happened around money. So when I grew up, money was it was a it wasn't really a subject that i like talking about because when you don't have it it's usually a source of tension Mm. and so on the same at the same on the same note because it was such a sore spot i guess it's one of the things that has really driven me as well in the beginning was to actually have money and and part of the reason was when my parents they didn't because they didn't have money and they thought education was really really important like formal education They worked really hard to make sure that we were in the quote unquote good school districts, and so I had the good fortune of being able to see a lot of friends of mine whose parents were able to provide them all this kind of really cool stuff great cars and all this stuff great you know clothes and my parents couldn't do that, and so. It also made it a little difficult, right? Because I'm seeing all these kids around me that my friends and it seems like they have extra money doing this and doing that. And my parents really struggled. So early on, having the exposure to those things was really good because I knew I had to work hard to be able to get those. At the same time, it was kind of challenging because my parents were working like, you know, four or five times what some of my other friends, at least my perception was at that time. Mm. Um, it just didn't seem like it was a, uh, didn't seem like it was right. But no, it is it's, what it it's it. an interesting question to, to bring up around how people have, you know, relationships with
0: money. It definitely does a lot of people in this show that I've interviewed, including myself, you know, I didn't come from means. I, you know, very, very blue, not blue collar, but very middle of the road type of stuff and, and resonate with the same sort of, not necessarily arguments, but, but there was a, An underlying tension there, you know, growing up that that you 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 know you could feel as a kid. You just didn't know. Okay, we we got the secondhand car, and I'll you know my mates have got the 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 brand new one coming to school. You know, like I I never went without either. But you know, you 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 felt as you know in the in the working class that you there was just a a different different. There was a sense of like there wasn't just money to burn, and 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 you know you had to work for chores, and you you were being you know very conscious of of you know, hand-me-downs and stuff like that, you know, so, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, no, I, 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 it's, it's, it's interesting, but, but it also helps pave the path for where you're coming to today. So walk us through the early career of of Billy. And, and, you know, we spoke a little bit about this offline in the green room, but, but what you've been doing (laughs) over the last 20 years and, you know, traveling the world and, and being the opposite of me
1: and now living in another country. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty interesting. So, and I kind of, I think of myself as some I was, a, I got really good grades in school. So I worked really hard. I was that like classic A student, right? I did everything I was supposed to do and, and, um, and I got good grades. And as a, as a result, every time I thought if I studied and I worked really hard, then I was going to get the, the good grade, the A, and I was going to get that smile and that pat on the back. And I did that through college. And one of the things where I went to college, like the dream job at my college was to work for Procter & Gamble because I was a marketing Mm -hmm. major. That was my first major. Well, I did everything that I was supposed to do. I got all the good grades and then I got into this process and guess what, Reed? I started the process, but I got rejected. (laughs) I got rejected from the job and I didn't really know how to handle that. So that was kind of like terrible. And so I decided to go back and get a second degree. And I went overseas for the very first time in my life. And when I came back, I had this overseas experience. I was not really speaking a new language, but I kind of was, it was Spanish, by the way, I went to Valencia and, and I was for sure. I was like, well, now's the time, like I've got fifth, fifth year, second degree, I have this extra experience. And so it was time to go back and get my dream job. And when I went through the process again, I got booted from the process. So rejected twice and that just like really crushed me because I didn't, know, I didn't, I wasn't used to dealing with this kind of rejection, but it was like the single biggest thing that changed my life. To answer your question, because when I got rejected the second time, a really good friend of mine, I was a co- co-chair of a student body uh, organization. Uh, he was from St. Louis, Missouri, and he told me about this group of people that worked and traveled around the world. They they traveled with Fortune 500 CEOs and things like that on business meetings, pleasure trip, late leisure trips. And so I had the good fortune of, out of about 6,000 candidates, I was one of 26 people that was able to start working at this company. And the reason that the rejection was one of the best things that ever happened to me, um, Reed, and some of the things we talked about, in that next five years, I had the opportunity to experience things that I'd never ever imagined, because I'm from Columbus, Ohio, right? Blue collar family. Uh, And I worked and traveled throughout 58 countries, and it just absolutely changed the way that I saw the world, Uh, the things that I thought were uh, reality. Sometimes it was just that's the way that I was taught. It wasn't necessarily the way that happened everywhere else. So it was a real growth experience. And after that five years in 58 countries, I didn't see myself going back to a normal nine to five job. So I took a one-year sabbatical. Uh, That one-year sabbatical uh, was accepted at university in in Paris. Uh, So I was in Paris. I wanted to learn French language and culture. I wanted to learn more about a wine and I wanted to learn how to salsa dance because I'm very like objectives, goal driven, right? I don't know how these three things work, but I can't tell you that the wine helped my salsa dancing, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, but, but anyway, so I, I got into the IT space while I was there because I decided I didn't want to go back to the US because I was having such an amazing experience. And this was right after 2001, uh, the, 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 the Twin Towers, right? And so yep. I was in France at a time that was the tensions between the, the US and the French were, were pretty high, right? And so I realized like living through that situation and being able to talk to people and challenge the way that I was thought about the world and, and saw things, I really wanted to stay. I started speaking the language. And, and so as I stayed, um, I moved from Paris, I went down to the South and I started getting into the, uh, the IT, the IT space. I was in hardware and then I moved to software and, uh, eventually, while I was in the south of France, I ended up meeting this really uh, cool person, this nice woman from uh, from Spain. Uh, they sent me to Italy. So I actually started a sales team in Italy for a while and she and I stayed in touch. I went back to France and eventually moved to Barcelona, Spain. And so that's actually how I ended up here in Spain. Uh, we got married in September of 2008, our first child was born in, in May of 2009 and our second in, uh, sorry, October of 2009 and our second in May of 2011. And so I always kind of tell people, you know, when, when you're going after things or you've been rejected and you want to take that one year sabbatical that you have to be careful, because that could turn into three countries, <laughs> four additional languages that I've learned. It could be a marriage and two additional kids. So, <laughs> so, you know, that, that has been, um, something that's really, uh, been, been, been a big impact and it all started from points of rejection, right? Because mm-hmm. I didn't think that, that, uh, well, I was an A student and I thought the only thing that was really going to be the next path was going into that, that corporate job. And, and when that rejected it, you know, it's turned to so many different things since then. Uh, and also now I've also had a chance to work and travel throughout 86 countries. So it's, uh, it's wow. changed quite a bit. Yeah. It's been, I've been very fortunate.
0: Well, I, I think it also, it's a, it's a good lesson and I. I'm a proponent of this. You know, one of the biggest things I will tell young people, particularly young entrepreneurs, if they're really young in their 20s, uh, like, what do you recommend? when to get into real estate? You know, want to want to be, get a hustle? And I actually said them, go traveling, get mm-hmm. get out, get out of the US and go traveling and go get some bit of street smarts, mm-hmm. see how other people live their life. You will be a lot better for it, and you can come back and you'll still be here. They'll still always be here. You can still start, but but having that ability to go and chase not chase but be curious around other things and other cultures is really important as not only is it important in in entrepreneurship and business but it also broadens the mind in terms of how things impact around the world not only from an an economic and economics point of view but how trade is done how international business is done how money is transferred across the globe how other people see opportunities unlike other people like for me you know i see opportunities in the united states that maybe the average person who's been living here forever doesn't see it yep. right so you have the same experience living abroad in other countries and that's what it that's what that's what travel does so i'm a huge proponent of it and i i could talk all day yeah, about that too. but i don't want to <laughs> But tell me how you get involved in the real estate space because that's obviously where you the story now. You, you you've come through 20 years of being abroad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've you've been successfully investing in real estate for the last eight or nine years. You've built up a really good nice nest egg, which has allowed you now to exit the day job, which yeah. must be feel incredible. But also, you know, how was that journey and what how did you get started?
1: Yeah, so you know, one of the things that happened. And just getting and start getting started in real estate. And it's changed my life because it's it's actually helping to open my mind to new opportunities, just to your point, right? But but it all started as someone who is a a really great student, once again, because it comes back to what the things that you learned when you were little, right? Um, as I was going through my my career, I told myself that I, I really wanted to have as much control over my financial life. Well, I, things happened in 2000. I'd been working for like five or six years. I, the two, dot, dot, dot .com bubble happened. That didn't work out so well. Uh, and my portfolio suffered. Uh, and then the same thing happened about eight years later. And so the same thing happening twice was not a good thing because my parents always said, Billy, if something happens once, shame on them. If it happens twice, shame on you. And so I had to realize that not coming for money that I couldn't put my financial life, i.e. retirement and things like that in someone else's hands. So I needed Mm. something that I had more control over. And good fortune had, I was in the States and I'd come across this little purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I know everybody talks about. And I started reading it, but I didn't finish it. And so it took me about two years. I I was back stateside and then this time I picked the book up and I actually read it and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Hang on a second. So I read the whole thing. Like most people, I went down the rabbit hole. I read every single rich dad book, all the advisors, all this and that. I started watching, you know, uh, videos. I was listening to podcasts and things like that. And I became a theoretical ninja like I knew everything. I could tell you every single thing that was going to happen that you needed to happen and and how much money you were going to get and your CADs and your net profit and all that stuff. Well that was going really, really well. And I knew all of the theory and I was also a young father and it actually took me from going from the theory of knowing things to actually getting into action for something that was that up until recently, I was not very comfortable sharing um, because it happened to do with me as a young father and, and wanting to be there for my, for my wife and for my kids and be present. And I'll never forget the night before my oldest child's third birthday. I didn't sleep very well. It wasn't a good time because I knew that the next morning I had to leave. And so because I had to leave on my oldest son's third birthday, I woke my wife up really, really early. It's like 545 and our one-year-old woke them up. And, you know, you can imagine at that time of the morning, they're all kind of all over the place. I went and, you know, I got out of the shower and I I was ready Had my suit and tie on, was ready to get out the door. And I woke up our three-year-old and we sang happy birthday. And I gave him a hug and kiss and I left. And so as I left, it was one of those things where I just literally was sick to my stomach because I knew I was out of alignment because one of the things that I really wanted to do is be present for special events. And so I remember being at the business meeting all day in Frankfurt, Germany. After that, you know, that night, my wife, my one-year-old and our three-year-old for his birthday, they were with my in-laws. They were singing happy birthday and blowing out the candles. And I was at some business meeting that I don't even remember what it was, right? And so... The reason I tell you that is because that it took that moment for me to go from the theoretical ninja on all the stuff that I was learning about real estate to actually taking action because I couldn't take control. I couldn't actually take control of any of the outcomes unless I actually started doing it. And so it took about eight months, but I bought my very first property eight months after that. Uh, my wife and I were in Cairo, Egypt, and we bought our very first small duplex in New Jersey. And... That was one of the things that, that that got me started, and then I had the five year goals, and like many people, and I'm sure you know this sounds very familiar. Once you write it down and you start taking action, it only took 18 months to get to the five year goals, right? And it's like I should have thought much, much bigger than that, and that helped me. And I started in in real estate, and have, have since done a number of other things, but I kept being in my corporate role. For a similar kind of reason. And I was I enjoyed it. Like I think most people, when they saw me on LinkedIn, like I had for a while read, I was the happy corporate employee because I enjoyed what I was doing in an IT sales leadership across Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Uh, then over the last couple of years, I was here locally in Spain um, as a senior executive and being able to do things and 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 being recognized. I was on trips to Hawaii for top achievers and all this kind of stuff and top talent program. But in the last quarter of 2021, my dad started having some some challenges health wise, and it really took me, being traveling back and forth from Spain to the U.S. to to visit him and see him, and he was actually in the ICU. and I just remember being there with him, thinking to myself, you know what, this whole thing is pretty finite. Like I'd lost mm-hmm. family and friends before, but that was the thing that really made me realize, like, hey, you've been doing this work for the last nine and a half years you've been living two lives during the day you're in the like early morning you're doing your building your business and you're talking to your investors and then you go for a whole portion of the day from like 8:30 in the morning until late at night and you're doing your corporate job and then you start again uh building your business and i realized that it's about time it's not about continuing to just have more and more and more money cuz you can't take it with you right. and that was the thing that has really like, kind of like the two major things that helped me realize I gotta take action. I can't just be a theoretical ninja. And when is enough enough? And so now I'm at the point where it's about how do I spend my time in, in, in being able to invest my time is probably a better way to stay. How do I invest my time in the way that gives me the best return and the best feeling? Um, and that's, that's really where I am right now, man, in terms of, uh, in terms of, in terms of life.
0: Now, back into the show. Yeah, no, I appreciate that you're sharing that and the vulnerabilities in and around that. And again, I can can resonate with you because I had chasing my goals uh, five years ago. My mum passed away. uh, And leading up to that, I was working, still working full time as a de- in, with a developer here in LA and, and traveling back and forth to Australia. And I remember getting home, you know, three days before she passed and, you know, being really devastated. And when I got back to the States, back to the day job, it, you know, I was in a day job that I was learning a lot and I was doing side hustles and I'd already done a bunch of syndications, but I said to myself like, you know, and mum, my mum would never have said to me, stop chasing your dream, but I had that selfishness you know, like shadow, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm sure you probably felt the same, right? Where you you you're faced with a reality that this is going to be finite, and people aren't going to stick around. So what the and what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. This playing this half assed yeah. game? Yep. You know, I'm either put my big boy pants on. And this is not for those people listening to this. I will preface probably both Billy and I were at stages in our lives. We've been working on it for a long period of time. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I know you would, have, you would have been investing for a long period of time. And you got to that point, i done four syndications on us as a side hustle, like lead syndications. Like it wasn't, we weren't just like, oh, screw the day job, let's get yeah. going, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But
0: it was, it was those moments in life that really, and I did a, sh- I did a podcast on this show back after she passed called Priorities Versus Goals. And you should go back and mm-hmm. listen to it. Not you, Billy, but the, the, the listeners. Yeah, yeah. Um, Where I talk a little bit about, you know, you, you got to have the you know a goal has a target against it, right? And 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 I remember hearing this this incredible entrepreneur um, Dan Priestley, and, and he, he's an Australian, and he wrote the book Key Purse of Influence, and he says, does it? And I sort of retook the words, and I and I sort of said to myself, does it matter if I have two thousand units in 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 twenty eighteen? You know, when I'm sitting with my grandkids, in when I'm 80 years of old, does it matter if I have 20, you know, 2,000 units in 2018 or 2,000 units in 2021? And the answer is it doesn't. Yeah. But you have to, in the same breath, you have to also enjoy the journey, because why are you on this path if you don't go out and take yourself seriously? So yeah. I think, it, and I just share that with you because I want to mirror, you know, back yeah. to you and say thank you for for being vulnerable, because I think that is these moments in life, so many people can resonate with on listening that they get to that point
1: point, you're like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. You know, like, like piss or get off the pot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, I, and, and yeah. I know we talk about with people all the time. And I used to, like I said, I was really ashamed to talk about the thing that happened with my son that I missed his birthday. Cause I felt like I was a, like, I was not aligned. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I felt shamed about that. And, and I didn't used to share that, but mm-hmm. what I've realized is that I'm not alone. There are a lot of people that go through that. The difference is, that made me go from theory to action because yep. if I would have just kept going around and around, I would have gone, I would have missed more special things, things that were special for me. Right. And from that moment, I never missed another one. Mm. Right. I didn't mean that I didn't work a lot because I did work a lot, by the way. And like you <laughs> said, I was, it, it took me nine and a half years. This was not something that happened overnight. And Along the way, I found out I was things like an accredited investor. I didn't know what that meant at the time because I was just you know head down and all this kind of stuff. And then I realized that it wasn't about just the money that I was making, but it was about the time that I had. How was I using it and how was I deploying the capital in a way that made the most sense for me? So, yes, to reiterate, it did not happen overnight. It did not happen perfectly. I made many mistakes along the way. But what I realized is that it is not just about making money. And I don't say that lightly because I don't come from money. I know that it takes money to, to be able to pay your bills, to be able to do the things that you, that you want to be able to do, but you start to realize that, yeah. I mean, the the, the most important thing is how are you investing your time ultimately is what it comes down to. No,
0: and and that's,
1: and I now want to pivot and get into what you're building now,
0: but, but it is important to come from those positions. And you say, it's really the alignment, the self-awareness, where are you, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of us if we sat down and thought about the the times in our lives where they were pivotal, it was because you weren't in alignment because you had an internal feeling that you didn't know it didn't seem right and you had to react to that. and sometimes you' your you're inner subconscious is already telling you stuff and, and and sending alarm bells before you even know know what you're doing. So again, moving away from that pain into something that is you know creating a life that you want to live. So talk to me about what 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 is what is Billy 2.0 looking like? How is the business going? You know, what, what 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 are you what are you out there to to achieve? Yeah, man. So that so
1: as it relates to uh, where we are now. So the thing about that I loved and love about real estate is the fact that it's something that has a POC, a proof of concept. So it is mm-hmm. not very difficult to understand. People need a place to live, and if you provide that service, then people in exchange will be willing to pay you for that. And, and the fact that you can have much more control over that versus the stock market was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And so continue to build out personal portfolio. Um, one of the things I mentioned before, like I didn't even know that I was an accredited investor, right? because I didn't come from a family of accredited investors and I wasn't really talking about it. And it took me until the point that I had in my own personal portfolio, I think it was about 30, 30 units, something like that. And of course I'm doing all this from Barcelona, Spain everything that I do is back in the United States. And it was along the way that I found out about this thing called passive investing. I didn't even know that it existed. Reed. I was like, hang on a second, I'm doing all this work and I can actually give somebody else two or $300,000 and they will actually do all of the work for me. <laughs> I can keep doing my job and they they will do the work and, and, and pass the returns my way. Okay, cool. That sounds good. So then I started investing passively with other people in large multifamily complexes, much like the ones you do. I got into ATM machines. And at the same time, I started realizing like, hey, this is really cool. And over a couple of years, I started realizing that I had these passive losses. And so I didn't understand that. And so I invested and understood more with with my tax team and what that meant. And then I also started figuring out how I could stop or I shouldn't say stop, but how I could also start to mitigate some of the W-2 income that I was paying because I was still paying like 45% in my W-2 wages, which was, didn't really feel what <laughs> didn't feel too good. So um, I started investing also too in the energy space. And so what I realized is as all of these vehicles, and one of the reasons that I really, really love real estate is because number one, it helped to open my eyes to not just depending on the stock market, because that you have absolutely no control over. And it helped me to get into the world of passive investing as well, because I didn't realize that I could leverage other people's talents. And then once I started realizing how I could also start to save some of the the 45 plus percent that I was paying to Uncle Sam, when I could actually keep some of that and then redeploy that back into other real estate investments and other passive investments, it was really that point that I started realizing it's, okay, I know the destination that I want to get to. And it's a matter of how do I effectively utilize the different the different vehicles that are there to be able to get to the destination in a way that feels comfortable for me. And so now the way that, well, I continue to do, I continue to invest in, in real assets. And our company today is focused a lot more on helping those high wage earners that have specific issues with earned income. So W-2 income in terms of the the tax obligation that most of us have. So always in the real asset world uh, and always continuing to educate and learn which is the right vehicle to get to the destination. Love it.
0: And, and yeah. so how are you, is it the international folks you're talking to or are you also talking to US based folks as well?
1: Well, you know what? So talking to many people, but the people that we're really focused on helping today are credit investors in the United States. Um, and the reason for that is because what we're doing focusing a lot of, on, in the energy sector with uh, carbon capture equipment. And so that's helping There's specific tax benefits that help US-based either residents or citizens. So although we're speaking to a number of people, where we're really focused today is uh, on that accredited investor that lives in the United States or is a US uh, citizen living abroad.
0: Talk to us a, bit, a little bit about the energy capture stuff. I, I love it. I, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of it. I don't do enough of it, but I, you know, the little things I can try to do on my properties, like low flow toilets and 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 you know, solar screens and you know, new 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 thermal energy stuff with regards to the HVAC. I, I try to do. But what are you what are you doing in the in the, in the carbon capture space?
1: Yeah. So in carbon capture, it's a, a little bit. So it's a little bit different than than, than that. So um, with the carbon capture specifically, what we're doing is helping the the government produce more energy right mm-hmm. and as a result of helping them to produce more energy and helping large companies to be able to do that and we're they're using our pieces of equipment which are carbon capture equipment and they're using that equipment to increase production of energy and so what we equipment are, is it is uh, it's it's carbon capture equipment yeah so the, okay. so the so the equipment is actually carbon capture and they're attached to um, large large pipelines typically um, sometimes to uh, well bores and as we're capturing CO2 from pipelines or from well bores, they then use that to to then increase the, the overall energy production. And so that's where, that's where we're focused so that the accredited investors were actually purchasing large pieces of equipment. And we then, as those pieces of equipment are being utilized, we're able to use very similar to what we're doing in real estate as well with the bonus depreciation rules, um, being able to, to use those to to help to mitigate on the on the tax portion. And I guess I should probably take a step back as you know this already. And I know your audience knows this, I'm not giving anybody tax advice. Of course, you need to speak to your tax uh, advisors and understand more about specific type of investment opportunities. So Reed and I are just talking about what we're doing specifically. So I hope that's okay that, that, that that's I mentioned fine. that Reed. Okay, all right, cool. So, um, and yeah, so that is, those, those are the, that's the equipment, that's the, the use that we're doing with, for that. And, and as a result, um, you can, because of the structure of the of the different funds that we're using or the fund that we're using, the investors are able to help to relieve some of the uh, the w two tax obligation. which actually is, which actually one of the things that we found is pretty interesting because when you're able to do that, um you're you're then able to the, from from a tax perspective, from the examples that we've seen, right? when you're able to to have that that tax obligation uh, lifted a bit, then that frees up capital to be able to do other things like invest in other types of passive investments right. uh, i.e. real estate etc. so uh, what we're finding is that it it really helps to relieve one of the main challenges for a lot of accredited investors i mean it, that was my situation very specific situation i was looking for uh, a solution found that solution and now uh, talk to others uh, about it and I, what we're seeing is that yeah, they're they're when they're able to have more control over their capital or keep more of their money, um, they're then able to redeploy that into the most efficient type of investments, which typically are those that are passive.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love it. Are you just getting? Is it just a tax benefit from this particular investment? Are you getting any cash flow, any appreciation yeah, over time?
1: Yeah, there's there's the there's consistent cash flow uh, over time as well. And, awesome, awesome. Yeah. I'd
0: love to love to get on your email list, and I'm sure we'll ask uh, at the end where people can reach you yeah. if they want to get on that email list for that yeah. particular type of investment, because it is a very interesting um, carbon capture is very important, um, yeah. and being able to utilize that in in in, in a safe in, in Good, a good space. So, yeah. where is the company going to now? What's the goal over the next five years? You've achieved financial freedom. You got out of the day job. Where are you headed, and what's the goal for for your company today?
1: Yeah. So, the the real goal of what we want to be able to do is the the next goal is to be able to serve two hundred accredited investors. That's what we want to be able to do. Um, it's and I guess it's this is probably a little bit specific because of the place where, and I love how you said this earlier, like the place that where I was in my corporate role, I liked it. I was having a good time. And like I said, it took something else to, to make me want to do something else. And so right now it's really about helping the, the next 200 uh, accredited investors, being able to deepen those relationships um, and, and be able to, to, to provide value in that way. Once we're serving two hundred accredited investors, then we'll see what the what the next uh, frontier is and, and where we go from there. But that's the next, uh, that's really the next goal. And so yeah. working on for making sure that we have the right infrastructure, that we have the right team members on board. Really focusing on who is on the team versus one of the things that I kept trying to do all the time because this is what happens sometimes when you're an A student is you try to do things yourself. Yes, not a good way to. <laughs> Make Scale. sure that you can serve people in the scalable way. Yes, exactly. exactly so right. that that oh, is man. really the focus now is making sure uh, the right people are on board and the right infrastructure is on board to be able to deepen the relationships for those uh, 200 investors that we want to be able to serve. Awesome. Are
0: you getting any interest from the locals in Spain, Europeans about money coming to the US and, and investing in, you know, because... I say to a lot of people when I pitch, um, you know, in my mind, my view, my, again, just IMO, um, Mm -hmm. that US commercial real estate is the most yield, is the best yielding product in the Western world. And I, you compare it to Australia, you compare it to Europe, you compare it to France, you compare it to, you know, uh, the Asian countries, you know, I, I don't think you can find Commercial real estate with with all the financing that comes along with the the U.S. here and the growth of the GDP, that it
1: just it's it's a it's an ideal world. I don't know if that's the same sentiment you have living in Spain. Yes, without a doubt. Which is one of the reasons that I live in Spain but invest exclusively in the U.S. Um, because I think when you look at things, not even just thinking, but if you think about the the political environment in the U.S. in terms of how things are organized and the ability to uh, control property. Uh, You look at the economic factors, um, you talked about the growth of GDP, um, you look at the number of Fortune 500 companies that are based there, the, the, the job growth, and then you look just culturally in the way people in the U.S. move from one place to the the next, where you have large metropolitan statistical areas uh, where people are used to moving from L.A. to Boston, from Boston to Chicago. And in between the the political environment, the economic environment and the cultural environment, it really makes the U.S. extremely uh, unique and one of the main reasons that so much capital continues to go there. I mean right. I, I love living in Europe, right? I love living here, that's <laughs> why I stay here. And I love 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 investing uh in US-based assets just because there's yeah, it's 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 hard to beat that.
0: Do you look around in the backyard in Spain at anything
1: like any Europe uh, any commercial stuff over there? Reed, I mean, so I'll tell you what, and this is this happened early on because I, I didn't know what I didn't know when I got started, right? Because you don't have the education and you don't have the the network. And so when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, one of the things that happened when I read through that whole series, I was like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be so awesome. You know, I'm gonna be able to find this. I'm gonna be, get two, $300 a door because that's what I was thinking at the time, right? I was like, this is gonna be fantastic and I just need to go buy a place. And so I went out and I was all excited and I went to these places and I was looking, I'd start penciling things out and I was like, oh, that's minus 50 euros. Um, well, <laughs> hang on a second, um, minus 250 euros a month. And when I would talk to my friends, my friends were like, "Oh yeah, but that's fine. You know, if you're only paying fifty, if you're only paying fifty euros a month, hundred euros a month, no big deal. You'll get that all back." And I was like, well, "Hang on a second. <laughs> I don't understand this. You're telling me that you want me to pay for something that I then have to continue to pay for every month." I'm like, "That's not an investment. I'm paying for it." And so I realized pretty quickly that it just didn't work. And so, but what I didn't realize is because I didn't know the difference between a location that is more cash flow based. Versus in a location that is more appreciation based. Right. When I right. got started. And right. so I, I and I didn't have a network. I didn't have anybody that I could talk to. And once I started to build process and systems and teams that were back in the United States, I, I just haven't really even spent time uh, looking. And when I the few hmm. times that I have looked, there's still Pretty much negative return in the area where um, where I'm here in the in the rezier in the residential space, yeah. right? Yeah, residential. Yeah,
0: no, it's always interesting. I, I always try to keep a, a pulse on what my my buddies are doing back in Australia. Uh, in the commercial space, you know, just to see, trying to compare the apples to apples on say, you know, an industrial deal or, you know, uh, a petrol station with a retail strip, you know, strip yeah. center ground up. How, how do those returns compare to what I can find here in the US? And it's always,
1: it just keeps me sharp. So yeah, it was just, it, it was just as curious. No. And even with the, like, if you think about the commercial residential, right, it's, it's even different and this is the cultural understanding that, that that you and I have had when you're living in a different place. Like here, the, the concept of buying a 250-unit apartment complex mm-hmm. or a 300-unit. Doesn't, doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, right. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, you, you can live in a building, but it's very much like in New York where you the building, each floor is owned by a different person. So mm-hmm. just the whole concept of Come being to able it. to, yeah, I mean, you, you can't, it, it's difficult to compare. It's difficult yep. to compare. Yeah no, I
0: love it. Well, mate, look at the end of every show, we love to dive into the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Yeah, I'm
1: ready, man. Mate, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Without a doubt, is well, it's it's to start my day off in the right way for for me. And the way that I start off every day is through is with savers. So how Elrod? And being able to just make sure that I'm mentally starting in the right way. And then after that, one of the things that I've been focused on now is not necessarily goals. I like what you said earlier. It's kind of like, what are my big three priorities uh, for the day? And a lot of that comes through free to focus. And um, that's, that's how I stay on top of what the, the priorities that I have uh, for that day. I try to make it a maximum of three.
0: Yeah, any more than three, you just you're doing just too much on the to-do yeah, list. You don't, you get nothing yeah, done. Yeah. So, no, I completely yeah. agree. All right. Question number two is: Who's been the most influential person in your career to date?
1: And this is oh, it's, it's it's both of my parents because I just I I, I have things about me that I notice that are yeah it's the it's the two of them in terms of the way that I work. The motivators for me, though, without a doubt, are my wife and my kids. I know it's not one person, but it's kind of the things that that motivate me and the that's things awesome. where, I, where I've learned from men that's, yeah.
0: No, I think, you know, with, with your, your story you shared earlier about growing up and your relationship with money, um, but how your parents didn't go to school, go to university, and the big push to go there is is really been uh, probably a good launching pad for you and, and appreciating what they did teach you in terms of around your hustle and and you, yeah. you go the go get you type of attitude. So it's so awesome stuff. Um, in the business, question number three is: What's the most influential tool in that business? Like it could be a piece of software that you can't run the business without, or it could be something physical like a a journal or a, or a phone that you just can't run that business without. What is it?
1: I don't think I could run it without, I don't think I could run it without my phone, but where I find that the most magic happens, because once again, I've been doing this long distance thing for 10 years and I was using zoom before people realized like zoom was a thing. Mm. And so many of the relationships where we are initiating and deepening the relationships today um, take place specifically over over zoom for me so i think that's the the thing that is the, the relationship initiator and uh and also enhancer yep I love it love it man uh question number four in one sentence what's been the biggest failure in your career and what'd you learn from that failure trying to be perfect that's the biggest failure because you realize that um i was trying to do because th- this goes back to early on and you realize that it's about taking action on imperfect information. And once I started doing that consistently and realizing, Hey, listen, even as an A student, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to course correct. And when I allowed myself to realize like, you don't have to get this right. It's not going to be perfect anyway. Just, just go, just get started. Make sure you have enough information to get started. Don't overanalyze things and then course correct. Like that's when I realized just to do that, get out of my own way. That's when the results really started taking off.
0: Love it. Love it, man. Last question is, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere. Where do they go?
1: Yeah. So if it's all right, I'll give them a couple of different places. Yeah. One, uh, for those accredited investors that are interested in finding out more, especially if you're getting crushed by W2 taxes, you can go to firstgencp.com forward slash invest. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Um, the, the website is firstgencp.com. Uh, I have a podcast. And by the way, and I meant to say this in the very beginning, but I I can't thank you enough for being guest number 106. So episode 106 of the going long podcast read absolutely crushed it. Uh, So you can check us out over there. And uh, I also like connecting with people on LinkedIn. Uh, I share a lot of the things that I'm thinking of doing. Um, And I think I'm the only Billy Keels in here in Barcelona, Spain. So uh, yeah, so it'd be pretty easy to
0: find me. Awesome stuff, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. I want to just reflect some of the things that I took away from today's show. I think, yeah, you're, your inquisitive nature to go out and, and try something. A lot of probably a lot of Americans don't do that. Don't go and take that year sabbatical abroad and, 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 you know, try and become a, a wine connoisseur and learn new languages. So Kudos to you for doing that. That's then led you down this path of being abroad for the last 20 years. I can definitely resonate with that because when I first went abroad, it was just like, wow, the world is, is a freaking cool place. And it's only the world is your oyster, as they say. You can make it what you want. And I think through that curiosity, you're able to get better jobs because you you weren't defined by your borders. You, you, you got out and you, and you got amongst it. So that helped you into becoming the person you're today. And then realizing having those self-aware moments with your dad and with your son saying you know i know i need to do more with my w2 income but i need to also be there for 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 the special moments right and 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 thank you for being very vulnerable uh with with me on that and i just man i i admire what you do i think we get on like a house on fire even though we haven't even met each other in person um but i'm sure we will one day and uh we'll
1: be able to share a beer but but did i leave anything out mate no, man. You said a beer, but hopefully it'll be more than one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah exactly. Bit
0: of sangria, right? you the sangria. There you go.
1: There you, go. Uh,
0: you, you mentioned Valencia earlier and I was like, I remember Valencia. I went uh, to the running on the bulls. Oh, sorry la tomatina festival which yeah, is in, okay. uh la, la, which is just outside valencia and yeah. i remember camping on the beach uh as a young 22 year old uh backpacker and having the incredible time going through the streets of uh the little town of valencia um yeah. with with a truck full loads of tomatoes which was freaking <laughs> freaking cool man that's a that's a two that's hours nice. that was a long that was a few moon, moons ago but yeah yeah <laughs> dude thank you so much for coming on the show really enjoyed your company and we'll appreciate catch up very very soon thanks reed appreciate it man Well, they have another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible information. Uh, If you do want to check out what Billy's got going on, head over to firstgencp.com. That's firstgencp.com. You can also go to the Going Long podcast uh, which I've been a guest on um, and check him out. Make sure you subscribe to his podcast and just get involved with what he's doing uh, in his world. He's an incredible guy sharing some incredible information and I'm very interested in that carbon capture myself personally. So if you if you are interested in learning more about the carbon capture programs, uh, how they, they can help you with your W2 income for those accredited investors, definitely check it out. I want to thank you all for taking some time out of the day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. If you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give it a five-star review on iTunes. And all the show notes from today will be up on my website at readgoosens.com. Don't forget, we also help investors invest in real estate syndications. Uh, We're going to do this all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack.